Michael Rothstein Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Rothstein. This podcast is brought to you by Regents Field, Ann Arbor's true sports bar at 204 South Main Street in Ann Arbor, Michigan. Check out their great food specials, including some gluten-free options, and show up to play trivia on Mondays and darts and skee-ball any night of the week. For more information, check out Regents Field on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Now, to our show. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 21 of the Michael Rothstein Show. And before we get on with your questions and previewing this week's Senior Bowl in Mobile, Alabama, a brief bit of housekeeping and an announcement. I'm really stoked to announce we've been acquired by Blue Wire Podcasts. So now I'll be part of that network. Really excited to join their team and hopefully you'll check out some of their work as well. Delighted to be joining them in the audio space along with my usual work at ESPN.com and hoping it adds even more for you, my dear listeners, to enjoy the show. As always, let me know what you want to hear about on this podcast. Let me know who you want to hear from in the future as now that we're in the Lions offseason, we're going to try to talk to anyone and everyone who is willing to come on the show. So what does all of this mean? Not too much will change. We'll be dropping podcasts most week at more defined times, and this is important, Monday and Thursday mornings at 7 a.m. Eastern, with more often than not the pod bag, which is essentially what this is going to be today, coming on Mondays. This week at the Senior Bowl will be a little bit different, but starting now, that's going to be the usual schedule. Obviously, if things come up that need discussion, like during free agency and the draft, we'll alter things here and there, but this is going to be the general plan. With that now out there and public, let's get on with today's show, starting with the pod bag. We'll start with a question from Mark McGath. He asks, if the Lions were offered the 5th and 26th picks for Miami for obviously their number three overall pick, would they take the deal? Do I think running back is in play early in the draft? Well, Mark, if that were the offer, the Lions would likely heavily consider making that move. They'd add another first-round pick, and they need picks in general, and they'd only move down two spots to do that. Since it is expected Miami or any other team that would maybe trade with them, the Chargers would potentially be an option, would likely be moving up to draft Tua Tagliavoa. It still means that at least two of Jeffrey Okuda, Isaiah Simmons, and Derek Brown would still be there at number five, and that's just if the Lions focused on defensive players. It's likely one or both of the receivers, C.D. Lamb or Jerry Judy, could still be available as well, and Honestly, there are some offensive linemen, and I know, I know you probably don't want to hear that right now, but the Lions could use some offensive linemen, and a guy like Georgia's Andrew Thomas could also be sitting there, and it would be pretty well expected that Iowa's Tristan Wirfs and Alabama's Jedrick Wills would also be around at number five. So there would still be a lot of options for a potential impact player if they make that move. To me, it would be a no-brainer. Plus, they could then use the number 26 pick to either try to move up in the first round by maybe combining it with their second round pick if there's another guy they really want or a third round if there's a guy that they really want. 
maybe trade that pick to move back to garner even more picks because as we all know the lions do have a lot of holes they need to fill or they could just use the selection and take another player they then have a fifth year option on and a player that could potentially be an impact player early on so where does this really rank so the trade value chart has it fairly fairly close on numbers the numbers actually would skew in favor of the Lions, but that's probably acceptable enough for Miami considering a quarterback and potentially a franchise quarterback is involved that the Lions would probably take that move. Again, Bob Quinn hasn't hinted at that, but based off of the trade chart, you have to think they would at least heavily consider it. Now, to the second part of your question, would they take a running back early? They shouldn't. They really, really shouldn't. With all the defensive issues they have, along with questions along the offensive line, and even at the backup quarterback spot, which, heck, at number 26, if a guy like Jordan Love from Utah State is there and they really like working with him at the Senior Bowl, maybe they do that there and try to secure that spot. I wouldn't look at running back early on, despite the fact that there are some really talented players. They still have Carrion Johnson. They took Ty Johnson last year. They have Bo Scarborough and... You have to think that maybe they sign a veteran in free agency and they have to like what they have in the Carrion Johnson, Bo Scarborough combination. Obviously, there are injury questions there, but I, I don't know if you're quite ready to give up on Carrion Johnson yet. Now, if a surprising talent dropped to the second round, maybe, maybe, maybe they would consider it, but in my opinion, they shouldn't. They've got too many other holes to fill at this point in the draft and at this point on their roster beer enthusiast asks how many years will taylor decker's extension be that he signs this offseason well beer and that's just funny to me it's probably still an if more than a foregone certainty that taylor decker gets an extension this year the lions do have to pay kenny galladay at some point and that'll likely come this offseason. And they have to make a decision on Darius Slay as well. And if you're going to keep him, you're probably extending him. Decker had a pretty good season, even though the first couple of games weren't that great. But overall, I thought he played fairly well, particularly in the second half of the year. But I'm not 100% sold he gets a second contract yet. Because say the Lions do pick up that extra first-round pick in a trade and then take a tackle toward the end of the first round, or decide to take Andrew Thomas or Tristan Wirfs or Jedrick Wills. Well, if they do that, then maybe they don't want to pay Taylor Decker left tackle money. And maybe they only want to pay him right tackle money if they want to move him over there. Will Taylor Decker do that? Or will it be another Riley Reef situation where Riley Reef will play it out at right tackle and then go to free agency and take a chance to get better money elsewhere? So there's a lot of things still into play there when it comes to what happens with Taylor Decker. If a deal were to be done, I would think it will happen during training camp when Decker would have a better idea of kind of what his immediate future would be with the Lions. I think he's an above average left tackle in the NFL, and that's a position that will get paid really, really well. So the question is if Detroit believes he's worth that type of money or they want to start over again with a rookie, be it this year or next year. Or they look at free agency and if they see someone they like there. I would probably pay Decker, but I'd be careful not to overpay him. And that's where that balance lies. Kurt Asselstein asks, why do people eat marshmallow peeps? 
And while that's a little bit off topic, Kurt, I totally want to answer this question because I am not a Marshmallow Pete person. Not at all. But so I really can't tell you why they like Marshmallow Peeps. I like Marshmallow a lot, but I'm not really a fan of the Peeps. I'm just not a Peeps man myself, honestly. But I'm also a weird judge of candy. Besides the fact that I love M&M's, I have a large affinity for candy corn. And hopefully most of you don't shut this podcast off because I said that. That's sometimes to the dismay of other beat writers in the Lions press room because typically throughout October, I will grab bags of candy corn at Target or if I go to Westbourne Market and I will buy them and then leave them in the press room and people inevitably eat them. But I find candy corn to be fantastic. It's clearly not good for you by any stretch of the imagination, but I am a candy corn lover. More than that, I'm an ice cream person. So give me ice cream or chocolate or even candy corn or definitely M&M's over Peeps any day of the week, any month of the year. But if people like the marshmallowy goo that is the Peeps, all good on them. Greg Lindsay asks, are the Lions ever going to have a full staff? Yeah, listen, they're going to have a full staff. And it's entirely possible it happens by the time you have listened to this podcast, which is going to be dropping Monday morning. And if it doesn't happen this week, it'll probably happen really soon after the Senior Bowl is over. And remember, too, there could be a coach that's on a team that's still playing right now that maybe the Lions want to hire and they can't make that move until that team gets eliminated yet. And we've seen that over and over again in the past with the Lions. As far as this week at the Senior Bowl, they can get by because Corey Umlin, the team's new defensive coordinator, can coach defensive backs. He's done it for a long time, as can defensive assistant Steve Gregory, who I still think might get promoted to defensive backs coach at some point. I'm not sure how they'll fill the linebackers and tight ends coaching roles quite yet. I'm guessing we'll get an answer from that from Matt Patricia uh, either on Monday or on Tuesday, but figure it'll happen somehow. And... We'll see what happens because don't forget, Undlin's been on the job for about a week now, and he's probably going to have some say on his assistant coaches. So he's expected to talk with Lions reporters in Mobile this week, early in the week, and that'll definitely be a question that gets asked of what he wants to do and how he wants to construct his staff. But that's going to be still an immediate question for the Lions until they fill out the rest of the moves they need to make. Jason DeWitt asks, are there a couple of players who could sneak up to number three after seeing them in the Senior Bowl? And Jason, it's always possible. I'm never going to say never in the draft process. But when I look at the high-end prospects this year, I would be pretty surprised at this point based off of who is available and who isn't. Joe Burrow, the quarterback from LSU, who is not going to be at the Senior Bowl, is essentially locked into number one. Chase Young, who's an underclassman, will go either number two or number three, one would think, depending what Washington does, whether they trade out of the selection to a a 2-0-loving team or they take Chase Young. Underclassmen are the heavy favorite in talent at this point at the top end of the draft, so it's tough for me to see a player making that jump, but we've seen it over and over again year after year. Listen, Justin Herbert could light things up this week in Mobile. He's playing for the South team that's being coached by Cincinnati. Cincinnati's not going to take him, but 
if he plays really well, has a good combine, has a good pro day, maybe he pushes his way into a top five conversation. And maybe that makes things even more interesting for Detroit when it comes to trade value. Because say that San Diego, or sorry, the Los Angeles Chargers really want Justin Herbert. Let's just say that. But they're worried that a team might jump them to get him. Well, maybe they'll jump to get Herbert over Tua. You just don't know what's going to happen here. That that seems implausible at this point, but crazy things have happened during the draft. We all know that. Crazy things can happen during the draft. So, I don't know. It's going to, to me, be very, very interesting what happens and how things go down over the next few months. And I'll get to it a little bit more later, but defensive tackle Javon Kinlaw is a first-round prospect that could be intriguing to me. He's, a def- he's out of South Carolina. He's on the South team. I-, I just don't think he can make the move all the way up to number three. The ultimate consumer, otherwise known as Matthew Kuhn, asks, when will the Fords sell the team? Thanks. I'll hang up and listen. Uh, first, one thing on that, the hope is to have a voice mailbox set up here in the next couple of weeks so you can ask questions without me reading them. That way, you're, it's more interactive and your voices are involved. As to your question, don't count on it anytime soon. This has been covered before, but I'll, I'll reiterate it again. The meeting with the Fords in December, which I was a part of, even though they won't say it, they clearly have a succession plan, and if you read between the lines... It really seems like Sheila Ford Hamp is going to be next in line as owner of the Lions. She was the only vice chairperson in that meeting, along with team president Rod Wood and owner Martha Ford. She's gone to every game or almost every game. She clearly has the ear of her mother when it comes to decision making. And she did a lot of talking in that meeting as well. She has a lot of influence. And... She is also on a couple of NFL committees, and those are generally reserved for owners and and vice chair people, but people who are involved. So I would be surprised at this point, A, if a sale were to happen in the near future, and I certainly don't think it will happen as long as Martha Ford is alive, and B, if the succession plan is not going to Sheila Ford Hamp to be the next owner of the Lions. The Lions, again, haven't announced any of that, and they haven't said anything about it publicly, but if you read the tea leaves, that certainly seems to be where it is headed. Creepy McCreepers, and there are some really fun names in this one, asks, I would assume the front seven is the area we should focus on for the draft. Who on the Lions' side at the Senior Bowl should we pay close attention to? And I'm going to get to this a little bit more later on in the podcast, but just some quick names that I would watch on the Lions side of things. I would watch Josh Uche from Michigan. He's obviously a guy that people probably listening to this podcast are familiar with. And I would watch a guy like Zach Bond from Wisconsin. He's an outside linebacker. And... Ohio State's Malik Harrison, he's an inside linebacker. Michigan State's Kenny Willickis, who's an edge rusher. Syracuse's Alton Robinson, he's another edge rusher. There's a there's a good amount of talent that they're going to be working with here. Uh, and, you know, listen, I'm not going to pretend to know. I know a lot, ton of these players. Safety Ashton Davis from California, probably not going to get taken by the Lions, but he might be one of the best prospects they have. And there's a decent amount of wide receivers that are good on this team this north roster chase claypool being one 
a couple other guys to watch defensively uh, would be Kaliki Hudson from Michigan, Josh McTellis from Michigan, and cornerback Michael Ojemudia. And if that name sounds familiar to you, it should because he's from Michigan and his older brother Mario played for the Wolverines a few years back. So obviously that's just a list of names right there. We're going to get into some of those prospects a little bit more later in this podcast. Doug Roller, PhD, asks, when will the Lions be legitimate Super Bowl contenders? And Doug, the NFL is a fickle, fickle thing. Just look at Tennessee. Obviously, the Titans bowed out in the AFC title game on Sunday. But a year ago, they were also hanging with a new head coach in Mike Vrabel. Things happen fast in the NFL. We all know that. That said, I think it's going to still be a couple of years. No matter what the Lions do this offseason, I don't see them quite in the Super Bowl realm just yet. But if they actually nail this offseason, and I've talked about this a couple of podcasts ago, how I think that that's what they need to do in order to really have Matt Patricia and Bob Quinn come back for 2021 and say they show improvement to 9-7 and seven or 10-6, and six, then I think that, A, there's a pretty good shot that 2021 – is still a Bob Quinn, Matt Patricia, Matt Patricia production, but it's also a time where they could be considered real contenders because they'll still have Matthew Stafford as a quarterback and they should still have a lot of their pieces in place. Frankly, if they're not real contenders by 2021, things might get completely blown up and everything might end up starting over. And we all know that that's really going to be the main thing to focus on throughout 2020. So, it's either 2021 or it's way off in the future, Doug. And if you are somebody who wants to see this regime succeed, then you are clearly hoping that it is in 2021. Alex Bickle asks, how does the organization view Jared Davis right now? Will they pick up his option? Do they have a plan that will put his strengths to use? Alex, the franchise loves Jared Davis's work ethic. They love how much he loves football, and they love his dedication to the game. They love what he gives the team in the locker room and all the other intangibles. And he's, he's honestly a pretty nice guy. Now, as far as what he does on the field, they're going to give him every chance to keep winning jobs and to having big roles in this defense. To me, at this point, I wouldn't pick up his fifth-year option, but there is an element of no harm, no foul with it if you understand that you might just not get a comp pick back because they could make an they could pick up the option and then make an Eric Ebron-like decision next offseason, which is cut him before that money becomes guaranteed. And you saw that with Eric Ebron, and it would not shock me if that ends up being what they do with Jared Davis, because they really want Jared Davis to succeed. That, to me, has been clear over and over and over. Sure, they want every player to succeed, but they love Jared Davis. They love him as a person, and they really like all of the things he brings to the table off of the field. And I think he has some good value on the field. I just don't think that he's necessarily always used correctly. And that's in part based off of his position and the personnel they have. To me, I would use him more as a pass rusher. And in early downs against the run, you really can't let him be in charge of covering anybody at this point. You almost have to turn him into a rusher and a run stopper. 
Now, that would probably take him off the field a little bit more. It wouldn't shock me if that happens in 2020, especially if Jelani Tavai can kind of increase his role or depending what they do in free agency or the draft. I, I think there were times where they had a good plan for him last season, but it just it hasn't been consistent enough. And they should have a more creative plan in 2020, but a lot of that will be on him to make improvements as much as the coaching staff. Keith Craig, and by the way, I apologize to anybody if I mispronounced your name, asks, do you think the Lions would move Matthew Stafford or consider Tua? Maybe tank next year and get another good pick and ride out 21 with a healthy Tua. I I get this question a lot. It's akin to the Fords selling the team question. And this one actually comes up more often, like every week at this point. But at this point, I can't see this scenario unfolding, and it's for multiple reasons. One, we don't know Tua's health status yet, and that's a huge factor. Two, Matt Patricia and Bob Quinn have a win-now edict. We all know that. That came out in December during the meeting with the Fords, and moving your best player and franchise quarterback would be counterintuitive to reaching that goal of still having a job and being a contender in 2021. It's also why... At this point, I think Darius Slay is still part of the plan in 2020. And lastly, as we've seen, tanking doesn't always work in the NFL. Miami is case number one. They, they did everything they could. And guess what? They're picking behind the Lions this year and had a better record than them this year. Sure, they played in an easier conference, but that doesn't matter. The Dolphins looked like a competent team towards the end of the season and that's just – players and coaches don't tank. I remember talking to Glover Quinn about this a couple, a few years back now, and he was just like, you, you can't really tank in the NFL, at least if you're a player or a coach. And it just doesn't work that way because as a player, you're playing for your next contract, even if it means getting film, putting, getting yourself – good film, good tape for other teams to see. If you're a coach, it's a year-to-year thing. You don't know if you're definitely going to have a job or not. So how could you tank? Uh, so No, I just don't see that happening at this point, especially with everything that's come out and, and the fact that they're in year three and not year one. Uh, I've been surprised before, but I, I just really don't see it happening. Jonathan Blevins asks, will the Lions coaches coach in a playoff game ever? Ever? Like... Ever, ever? Like, ever, ever, ever? Yes, ever, ever they will make the playoffs again. Will this particular staff? I, I, I really don't know. I truly believe that the NFC North is one of the t- NFC, NFL's toughest divisions, and the schedule could be really difficult next season. They'll face an Arizona team that should be much better than last year. They go to Tennessee, and they have to face Houston at home, But and those last two teams, the whole NFC North has to face them. But I think the Lions will be better next season. I'd just be curious whether it's enough to get to 2021. And that goes back to our earlier question of when they could be Super Bowl contenders. Because if they're Super Bowl contenders, then theoretically they should make the playoffs. So to me, that might be 2021. But I think they have to at least be in the conversation in 2020 for this staff to ever get a shot to coach in a playoff game. But at some point, yes, they will be in the playoffs once again. Ron Fuchs Jr. asks, who is the best draft prospect from Syracuse? Fuchsie. So Ronnie and I go way back, like way, way back, like 20 years to college. He lives out in California. I think he still lives out in California. And uh, if you haven't known, I went to college at Syracuse, so that's where this question comes from. 
and I didn't watch too much of Syracuse this year. I don't watch a ton of college football in the NFL season because it's kind of my one day that's a little bit away from the grind and the machine of the NFL season. And half the time I'm traveling on Saturdays and I try to do things on the road in other towns, whether it's go to art museums or just walk around cities, depending on the time of year or do a whole host of other things. Maybe go to a comedy club and that takes away from a lot of my college football viewing. And then on home Saturdays, I generally try to catch up with friends or a good book. All of that said, I think there is really one prospect. Now, receiver Treshawn Jackson is leaving early, and he led the orange and catches, yards, and touchdowns last year. But it's really defensive end Alton Robinson that's going to be their best prospect. He should get drafted, and he could be drafted late on day two, maybe in day three. He's a little undersized for a defensive end at 6'2". But he's going to have opportunities, including this week in Mobile, Alabama, where his coaches are Matt Patricia and the Detroit Lions staff, all of which will lead well into the second part of this podcast, a Senior Bowl preview, right after this break. Regents Field, Ann Arbor's True Sports Bar at 204 South Main Street, is the host of this podcast. Come on down to Regents Field for great food and drink specials. And if you want to see me record a podcast episode live. Also, you can play trivia on Monday nights and take advantage of the free skee-ball and darts as well. Check them out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Regents Field. Now, back to our show. So the Lions, by virtue of their 3-12-1 record this year, are Senior Bowl bound with their entire operation this week to go and coach in the Senior Bowl. Everyone's headed down there, and while the coaching staff isn't quite full yet, yep, we covered that earlier, this is a good opportunity for Lions coaches and staff to really get to know some of the players down there in a different way than just scouting the game. As an added benefit, it also gives them to build the chance to build some of the chemistry, particularly on the defensive side of the ball, where new defensive coordinator Corey Uchin is going to be making his debut working with the defense. So this roster, it's one that might be somewhat familiar to followers of Michigan and the Big Ten. Six Wolverines are on the North squad, including quarterback Shea Patterson and offensive lineman Ben Bridison. Breedis is the type of prospect the Lions might love. He's started for a while now at left guard. He was a team captain, and he's an aggressive offensive lineman. He's not a first-round pick, but if he's sitting there, say, in the third round, he could be a selection that the Lions consider, and he could be a replacement for another former Michigan player, Graham Glasgow, who seems likely to leave in free agency at this point. Josh Metellus, who's a safety, could be another player for Michigan, that you should watch and that the coaching staff's likely to wa- going to watch as the week progresses. Again, they don't necessarily have a massive need for a safety, and we're going to get to that a little bit with another prospect. But at some point, you just have to evaluate talent, and they could have a hole there for a third safety or even someone to compete with Will Harris for the starting job next year. One Michigan State player is also on their roster, and that's edge rusher Kenny Willekes. He was a productive player for the Spartans 
at a position of need for the Lions as an edge rusher. While he's not going to go at number three, obviously, he was Michigan State's leader in tackles for loss and had 26 career sacks. He can get to the quarterback, and the Lions coaches should like his personality. Detroit needs help on defense throughout this draft. That's entirely clear. I think everybody knows that. And potentially as a mid-to-late-round selection, that's something that could happen. You just never know. The one thing that we do know about Bob Quinn is that he really likes the Senior Bowl. He likes taking players from the Senior Bowl, but he's never been in this position before to have his coaching staff actually work the game. He also kind of can be more on the inside with things as well. So I would imagine that they're going to know a whole bunch about all of these players pretty quickly when it comes to the Senior Bowl. And again, Bob Quinn really likes Senior Bowl players, so... We'll see what that means for this draft, I think, beyond number three. Josh Uche, who I mentioned above, is another edge rusher out of Michigan. He'll be one to watch. He's more of a linebacker edge, but he had 15 and a half sacks combined the last two seasons. And the Lions could like him enough to take him in the second or third round, again, depending who else is there. And it's possible he could end up replacing, say, Devon Kennard down the road. It wouldn't be surprising to see the Lions coaches give him extra attention this week. Another similar type of player to watch will be Wisconsin's Zach Bond, as mostly an outside linebacker. He had 12 and a half sacks last season. If the Lions were to, say, make that trade with Miami that we discussed at the top of this podcast, he could be an intriguing player if he shows out well, although he this might, that might also be way, way too early for the former Badgers linebacker. Looking at the rest of the roster, there are some intriguing prospects at positions of need. Ashton Davis, a safety out of Cal, is really good against the run and has the skills and size at 6'1", 200 to play deep as well. If the Lions moved on from Tavon Wilson, who's a free agent in March, he could be an interesting plug-and-play at that position. And Detroit has invested in its safeties high in back-to-back years in the third round with Tracy Walker and Will Harris. So it might be a little bit too much safety capital for the Lions, but Davis is a good player. And it's not even clear if Davis will last till the second or third round, but if he were there in the third round, he also has return skills which could make him even more intriguing for Detroit, considering Jamal Agnew is in a contract year, and while he's a fantastic returner, he hasn't really made an impact as a cornerback yet, so you could maybe find a returner who can also be, say, your third safety as a rookie. That might be more intriguing for Detroit, but if the Lions bring back Tavon Wilson, which I think is a possibility, They probably wouldn't even consider a safety, and even if they did late, Ashton Davis would be long gone off the board. The quarterbacks are always going to get a bunch of attention, and of the ones the Lions have, Utah State's Jordan Love is the most intriguing. He has good arm strength and is a potential first-round pick. And again, if the Lions add a second first-round pick by trade, he's maybe somebody they would look at because they would have a fifth-year option and he would shore up Matthew Stafford's backup for the foreseeable future and also give them options in the future of what to do with Stafford. If he's sitting there at number 35 in the second round and they like what they see throughout the Senior Bowl, maybe they would pull the trigger on taking Jordan Love then. And that's that would be something that would be sensible for the Lions 
again, depending what they do with the backup quarterback situation in free agency, but that's going to be something to watch throughout the offseason, and it'll be interesting to see what they do with Jordan Love throughout the Senior Bowl. And as far as the other quarterback prospects, obviously Shea Patterson, who we mentioned briefly, is the another quarterback that they are working with on the North roster, and then Washington State's Anthony Gordon, who was the replacement for Gardner Minshew after Gardner Minshew went to the NFL last year, are the other quarterbacks for the North. Arguably the most well-known prospect in the Senior Bowl, Justin Herbert, will be on the South, coached by Cincinnati. The Lions will also work with some intriguing receivers as well, including outside receiver Chase Claypool out of Notre Dame and potential slot K.J. Hill from Ohio State. Claypool is 6'4", 229 pounds. He caught 13 touchdowns for the Irish last year. He'd give Stafford another tall target, and he'd have the luxury of developing for a year behind Kenny Galladay and Marvin Jones. It's not clear what Detroit wants to do with Marvin Jones yet, as he's in a contract year in 2020. But Claypool could be a guy to watch, say, on day three. He also has some experience in the slot last year as a big, massive slot player. Hill's 5'11". He's one of the best receivers statistically in Ohio State history. He's got good hands, and he set the Buckeyes record for career catches. There's a receiver in this group you likely haven't heard of, and his name's Antonio Gandy-Golden. He's from Liberty. He's 6'4", 220, and has three straight 100, I'm sorry, three straight 1,000-yard seasons, caught 32 career touchdowns. He's likely a day three pick, and he's going to need a lot of development. But the Lions coaches might be able to unearth a sleeper there, depending what he does in practice. And Robert Prince has shown, who's the Lions receivers coach, has shown that he can develop bigger wide receivers. Just look what he's gone, done with Kenny Galladay. Obviously, Galladay came in with a ton of talent, but... Galladay is one of the top receivers right now in the NFL. So you might have noticed we mostly only covered prospects from the North through this podcast. And I did that specifically because that's who the Lions coaches are working with. So it's going to be, I think, who a lot of the attention is going to be on, at least from people who cover the Lions and the Lions themselves throughout the week. But there are some interesting prospects on the South roster. Just want to mention them really quick. Obviously, Javon Kinlaw, who I mentioned earlier in the podcast, he's a defensive tackle. He's a potential first-round pick, and he's somebody I think really could make some moves. Now, I think the Lions would have to have a second first-round pick to get him, but again, there are first-round picks, potential first-round picks every year that slide to the top of day two, and if the Lions don't take Auburn's Derek Brown at number three or at number five or wherever they end up drafting, and Kinlaw's sitting there at number 35, perhaps he would be the selection. And another guy to watch in that same vein is Alabama's Raekwon Davis. I, I didn't love Raekwon Davis's production with the Crimson Tide, but his tangibles are there. And the Lions have shown in the past that they really feel comfortable with Alabama defensive linemen. Bob Quinn has drafted two of them so far in Ashawn Robinson and Deshaun Hand. And it's entirely possible if they took Raekwon Davis, he would be the guy replacing Ashawn Robinson at defensive tackle since Ashawn Robinson is a free agent. A couple other players to watch. Alabama inside linebacker Anthony Jennings is a really solid player. 
and then obviously as we as we've talked about they have quarterbacks on <laughs> this side of the ball that are pretty intriguing not only do they have Justin Herbert, but Jalen Hurts would be a guy to watch from Oklahoma. Everybody knows him from, obviously, Alabama and then from the uh, Oklahoma's playoff run this year. To me, Hurts is probably a day three option. But listen, if the Lions are sitting there in the fourth round and Hurts is available, wouldn't shock me if they haven't taken a quarterback already if they take Jalen Hurts. Because he's a potentially a guy that they can develop a little bit, especially if they have a more established backup this year, and they've shown they showed this year their willingness to keep three quarterbacks on the roster. So he's going to be a guy to maybe watch if he's around on day three. But I'm certainly intrigued by what he might be able to do this week in Mobile, Alabama. So there will be a ton of other players to watch on both teams this week. And we'll be back with another podcast on Thursday and possibly a bonus podcast before that to cover all of this. Thanks to our new hosts, Blue Wire Podcast, for taking us on. And we're really excited to work with them here in the future. Hopefully it will be a good relationship and we'll eventually maybe have some of the other Blue Wire podcasters on this podcast as well. Thanks, as always, to my producers, David Woodley and Stephen Arkinall, for their work on the Michael Rothstein podcast. Check out my work at ESPN.com and follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Mike Rothstein and on Facebook at Michael Rothstein Journalist. As always, don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. And let us know who you'd like to hear from in the future as we continue our typical podcast format of interviews next week. We have some really great guests hopefully lined up for February. I'm really excited about some of them. And if you didn't get a chance to listen to the interview with Ray Roberts last week, I highly recommend you go back and listen to it. I think it was one of the best shows that we've had so far Uh, particularly from the 30-minute mark to the 75-minute mark. And with that, we will chat with you later this week.